Here's a crazy thing that I just did. I went and I made another podcast. Yeah, you know, I'm just over here making all the podcasts, writing all the books, not being a trad wife. I'm doing it. I'm doing it all. This new one is called Too Much Money, and I'm dropping it in the feed today so you can take a listen. This is just the first episode. If you love it, you can go over to the Too Much Money feed wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. I like to describe it a little bit like maintenance phase, but for ridiculous things that rich people do with their money. I'm doing it with my friend Dori Shafrir, who many of you know from the hit podcast Forever 35. I adore Dory. And she and I have been talking for a while about how we're obsessed with the ridiculous things that rich people do with their money. I mean, rich people spend their money in real stupid ways. Real stupid. And we're going to get into all of it. And we're going to tell you the backstory behind it, which is the most fun part of this. We're talking stories like $500 million yachts, auctions where people buy quarter million dollar dinosaur skulls, or also years-long feuds with their neighbors over ocean views that involve blaring the song Gilligan's Island through the night. Rich people be crazy. And Dory and I truly believe that there may be a thing as being too damn rich. Like a Midas touch by the very first time, I make decisions with my wallet, not my mind. Too much money for one person to control. Ooh, audacity will not buy back your soul. Hello, welcome to Too Much Money, the podcast that asks, does being a billionaire make you crazy or do you need to be crazy to be a billionaire? I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Joe Piazza. And we're your hosts. We are not billionaires. We're not billionaires. We're fascinated by billionaires. But Joe, I guess we should kind of officially introduce ourselves before we do get into it. So as I said, I'm Joe Piazza. I'm an author and a podcast host of the shows Under the Influence and Committed. I have a new novel coming out in April, which is the best thing I've ever written, called The Sicilian Inheritance. It's available for pre-order now. And my most recent book, You Were Always Mine, came out last spring. And it is great, which I can Thank say you. because... I read it and I hosted a book event. You hosted my book event. <laughs> you hosted my book event at a very posh bookstore that was situated in between some of the most expensive dress shops in, yes. in Los Angeles. It was surrounded by thousand dollar dresses that I that I could not afford, but that I also think I could have gotten dupes for at Target. Totally. Billionaires definitely shop at Brentwood Country Mart. <laughs> totally. Like without totally. a doubt. Without um, a doubt. I am Dory Shafrir. I'm the co-host of Forever 35 and Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. Also the author of a novel called Startup and a memoir called Thanks for Waiting, The Joy and Weirdness of Being a Late Bloomer. I read a lot about the silly things that rich people do and it usually makes me angry, but I can't stop. I know. I know. I. It's become this kind of a guilty pleasure. Yes. To go down deep 
Wikipedia rabbit holes uh, to just see like what are the crazy things that rich people do with their money. And I think about it a lot because I have I have a normal person job. I'm I'm a I'm a writer and yeah. I, you know have three kids and yep. think constantly like what yep. what would I do if yep. I were even a millionaire, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd, I'd just like to make sure I can pay for college and totally. some vacations. Right? Totally. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty wild. I also, just in terms of how we know each other, I feel like I should say that we knew each other in college. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long it's been, time. I mean, I, it's a couple of decades now. Oh, yeah. Since we were in the college yeah. 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 But then we also just kept like crossing paths intersecting in, totally. in New York media. Yes. Like you would start a job somewhere and then I would start a job some somewhere and yes. we would overlap for we, a week or two. Yes. And... Like I feel like we never really worked at the same place, but like we worked at the same places at different places. times. Yes. And... Yes. Yeah. Um, and then and now all of those places no longer exist essentially I mean, so yeah because literally, media literally and media. here we are podcasting yeah because we pivoted we, we did we pivoted, pivoted. We're, we pivoted. we're 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 constantly chasing the next thing yes. um yeah yeah as as if one of those things might make us billionaires right we never pivoted to video we did not no no but i have a i have a face for for audio so i'm uh, I Joe. prefer I prefer an audio medium. You don't, but I prefer yeah, like I think just not having to have your face out there is not having your face out there. No, I prefer to be I prefer um in my in my jammies medium is what I prefer. A thousand percent. I mean yeah. I'm yeah. in just showered wet hair media. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So but you look fantastic. Oh exactly. well thank you. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you so much. Um. All right. Well, Kate. Uh, Kate. Oh my God. This is going to be oh, weird. You're not. It's going to be weird. My forever gonna, thirty-five totally, co-host. You um, are totally going to call me by essentially your ex-boyfriend's name all the time. Yes. Like your current boyfriend. Yes. And you're like, hey, John. Or hey, John. What? Right. Oh what? my God. Um. Well, I'll try not to make this super. It's awful. all right. I love. You know what? I love Kate. If you want to call me Kate, yeah. I'll take it. On this show, you're Kate. <laughs> that's your name that's your new name oh gosh okay joe yes today i don't we're not actually talking about a technical billionaire but we are talking about a very wealthy person we're talking about multimillionaires. i think you yeah. know when we say billionaires we're talking about very rich humans yeah it's more of a catch-all it's a colloquialism is that the thing is these billionaires and millionaires they love to spend their money on things that are otherwise unattainable yes. to the average human. The yes. things that they consider treasure. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this. Go on, please. There is no greater treasure hunt probably in all of the world than the search for dinosaurs, for dinosaur fossils this could not interest me less not this conversation but the dinosaur fossils like the idea that i would spend my time and money looking for dinosaur fossils if i were very wealthy 
not even remotely on the list of things that I would want to spend my money on. And I have a dinosaur-obsessed six-year-old. So I spend probably 50% of my mental energy hearing about dinosaurs and being quizzed on dinosaurs. And so dinosaurs are now just woven into the fabric of my DNA in such a way that I actually, I resent dinosaurs as a species or a genus or whatever they are. Okay. So I think... I think it is even more ridiculous to spend money on what are essentially million-year-old rocks. If there's a paleontologist listening to this, I'm sorry. I just have to speak my truth. I'm sorry. And also, can you explain? I just Maybe they could call us. Maybe they could call us. We could do a bonus episode and talk about how rich men in particular desperately want to own these million year old rocks that aren't even yes. really dinosaurs and yes. just and and touch they want to put something adjacent to a tyrannosaurus rex in their house or mm-hmm. in their office mm-hmm. i think because it makes them feel like they have big dinosaur energy that's interesting mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. interesting if you could be dinosaur adjacent right. that gives you power in a way. There was no one more terrifying or powerful than a T-Rex. No. And if you can own those T-Rex fossils, then you yeah. too are terrifying and powerful, yeah. rich man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna get into that. I am I have got a story about a bunch of rich guys paying a lot of money for some T-Rex bones. Oh my but God. first, before we get to that, I want to I just want to talk a little bit about. The rich person dinosaur market because it exists. Fossils are an actual commodity right. these days. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple of big sales for you. Um, okay. And the and these are not museum sales because that's a different thing when a museum acquires a fossil. These are private collectors who are paying a lot of money to mm-hmm. be dinosaur adjacent there's the mm-hmm. there's one very recent one sotheby's actually sold a fossil of something called a gorgosaurus which i have not heard of but it's a relative of the t-rex for 6.1 million dollars wow that pause is intense wow i can tell I, I, you're, you're digesting this. You're taking. I don't even know what you. to say. There's nothing to say. It was sold for private ownership. The buyer hasn't been revealed, but that's one of the biggest private dinosaur purchases. There was also a private bidder who bought an Allosaurus and a Diplodocus. For those of you not in the know, those are both the. Actually, no. The Diplodocus is a sauropod, and the Allosaurus is a theropod. So. It's like a salt and pepper shaker of fossils. You have one of each, mm. a meat mm-hmm. eater and a planty. Mm-hmm. And those sold for $1.6 million each in Paris. Paris, by the way, is a wow. place where these auctions to take place. And then you have Christie's auction. It is interesting, right? But it also, I think it has to do, it's, it's very old world. And we saw a lot of the early explorers coming from Europe and being 
financed by European governments. And uh-huh. this just feels uh-huh. like the next level of hunting for buried treasure. And I think in future episodes, we te- definitely have to get into all of the money spent on great archaeological spy. And we're going we're gonna to yeah. do a whole episode how much people have spent searching for the Holy Grail. For sure. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Joe, just do you have a profile of who these people are? So they're typically multi, multi, big time millionaires. The mm-hmm. vast, I'm going to say the vast majority of them are men because I have not found a woman who is acquiring these bones, like an individual, okay. not a museum who's yep. acquiring the bones. Mm-hmm. They tend to be in industries like commercial real estate development or very okay. high profile corporate attorney and the the particular case that we are going to talk about today it actually all began with a t-rex skeleton a rich real estate developer who wanted to show off that skeleton in his office in new york city and that office this is the part that i love as a former gossip columnist in new york city Used to be in a former New York City nightclub. Which one? I think it was Tunnel. I think it was inside oh. the, old, the old tunnel over by the West Side Highway. Okay. Yeah. And, this, and this is a rich real estate developer because I would say nothing makes you want to buy a luxury apartment building like seeing a fucking T-Rex skeleton in the middle of their office. Like, what does that broadcast when power. you have I that just sitting there power. Yeah. yeah that's real that's real fuck you energy is what that is and totally this real estate developer's name is coleman burr he okay. is and he bid on the skeleton and won uh from heritage he he bid on the skeleton from a place called heritage auctions in new york city and mm-hmm. this was a nearly complete fossil, again, not the real bones, just rocks, of something called the Tarbosaurus batar. It's essentially Tyrannosaurus rex. Like all the dinosaurs have a gazillion different names. For our intents and purposes, this is a fancy T Rex from Mongolia. And there's a great book on this by an author named Paige Williams amazing reporter, a great storyteller. And her book is called The Dinosaur Artist, Obsession, Betrayal, and the Quest for Earth's Ultimate Trophy. Ooh. Okay. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. (laughs) It's a sexy title. Yes. She wrote all about how this fossil called, which they called the T-Batar. So we're not going to call it the T-Rex, but... Picture okay. the T-Rex in, in your head. That scene in Jurassic Park okay. where the T-Rex, where the T-Rex actually eats the attorney in Jurassic Park mm. out of the porta potty. He's hiding in the porta potty. Okay, so I'm T-Rex. picturing that. He, that's what this guy bought. He bought the T-Batar for $1.05 million so that he could put it in the terminal warehouse building where he had his offices on 12th Avenue the former home of Tunnel Nightclub. 
He bought it at an auction. He didn't think there was anything dodgy about it. As Paige Williams recounts in her book with one of the greatest book names of all time, the person that actually brought the T. Batar skeleton to the U.S. may not have obtained it legally. And so that brings us to this question of this entire underground, rich dude, dinosaur commodities market that yes. I'm so excited to talk about. Yes, yes. And here in the U.S., because there are so many rich dudes who want to obtain their dinosaur-adjacent power, there was one man who was bringing the skeletons here, and his name is Eric Prokopi. He was essentially okay. a dinosaur bone flipper. He got them from other places, brought them here. He refurbished him. He got them all shiny and pretty. Not a paleontologist, by the way. This individual is not okay. a paleontologist. Okay. He's like the, the tiger king of <laughs> dinosaur bones. I really like that analogy, Dory. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. We're thinking much in the way that the Tiger King was not a zoologist but or no. a biologist. No, no. Eric Procopi <laughs> was not a paleontologist. He was, he's, when he was a little boy, he really liked fossils, much like my son. Maybe this whole episode is a cautionary tale for me as a parent. Huh? But Eric. Procopy has been, he'd been collecting fossils since he was a kid, and he eventually found a way to get fossils into the United States that would not otherwise be allowed to be here. Now, much like precious archaeological artifacts, when fossils are acquired from certain countries, those countries say, hey, please don't take our natural resources. Please don't take things out of our ground that belong to us. Uh, we'd like to keep them here. And Mongolia is one of those countries. And Mongolia also, by the way, has some has one of the greatest collections of dinosaur bones in the world. It's Mongolia and the Western United States. Tons, okay. tons of dinosaur bones. They have good. They have good a good rock formation shelfy geological system happening over there got it okay so, yeah i am very knowledgeable about this but mongolia does not want random white dudes coming taking their fossils and then reselling them at a markup so it is illegal to take dinosaur bones out of mongolia and bring them to the united states that makes sense to me right yes but that Okay, first of all, that seems to have not stopped a lot of people. <laughs> Second of all, we should take a short, and then I have some questions right. for you, mostly involving how you would get all of this stuff on. A, do you take it on a plane? Like, how does that work? The answer is going to surprise oh. you. Okay, yeah. I, I, I can't wait. If I were a listener, I'd be on the edge of my fucking seat right now. Right? Totally. This is a good right. story. It's a great story. Oh, and one more thing. We have an email. 
too much money pod at gmail.com. That's too much money pod at gmail.com. Send us ideas for things that you want us to talk about, thoughts on the episodes. I don't know, anything. Email us too much money pod at gmail.com. As I've gotten a little bit older, a little bit older, had a few babies, I've noticed that my body is starting to smell different. Not necessarily bad, not all the time at least, but but different. And so I've recently, on the recommendation of one of my really good college girlfriends, been using Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. Have you guys heard of this? It's great. It's a deodorant like no other. It was created by an OBGYN who discovered that BO isn't just an underarm thing. It can be an all-over-your-body thing, an unexpected places thing. And so she developed a pH-optimized deodorant that is clinically proven to block odor everywhere. Not just in your armpits, but in your private areas, your feet, just all over, in all of the parts. And the best part is, no matter where you use it, Lumi is proven to keep working for up to 72 hours. That's a lot of time. That's three days of odor control. And that is kind of a miracle, to be honest. This is coming from someone who only remembers to shave one of their legs at a time. And there's a special offer happening right now. New customers can get $5 off Lumi's starter pack with our exclusive code, which is INFLUENCE. INFLUENCE. It's always going to be INFLUENCE, guys. And for a limited time, returning customers can get $5 off their next purchase of $30 or more. Just use the code INFLUENCE at lumideodorant.com. Now, if you need help spelling Lumi, I've got you. It is L-U-M-E deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. I've been using it. I love it. It makes my life a whole lot easier because are you ever that person who forgets to put on the deodorant in the morning? And then you're walking around and you're like, what is that smell? Is it me? It's me. It's almost always me. But deodorant that lasts for three days, that is pretty amazing. Again, the special offer is that new customers can get $5 off Lumi's starter pack with our exclusive code INFLUENCE. Lumi's starter pack is pretty perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes. I personally really love the deodorant wipes because they fit in right in my purse. And if I'm just on the go and I'm like, oh, weird, there's like a strange smell happening. I'm just going to take this wipe out of my purse and it looks like a baby wipe. So you have no idea what I'm doing. There's also free shipping, which is great. I always love the free shipping. And returning customers can get $5 off their next purchase of $30 or more. Just use the code influence at lumideodorant.com. Okay, we're back. And now, Joe, you have promised to reveal the secrets of dinosaur transport. <laughs> the se- and it's a big secret of network. They brought the dinosaur bones here. And remember, these are big uh-huh. animals, the biggest creatures that ever roamed to the earth through yes. UPS, apparently. Oh my God. Yeah, I good for UPS. UPS. Okay, 
Great. Apparently, the dinosaurs, the dinosaur bones arrived in Florida where Eric Procopio lives. And again, he's a Florida man. Are you surprised that he's a Florida man? I'm sorry to say that I'm not surprised. So he got more than 3,000 pounds of bones delivered just to his house. And he, like, cleaned them up and spiffed them up in his backyard workshop, which the New Yorker makes sure to point out was right next to his saltwater swimming pool. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm just, and you're just picturing a guy. Uncre- it's an, that would be the ultimate unboxing video, actually. If you got a major UPS. Oh, my God. Yes. Three thousand pounds of dinosaur fossils yes yeah and getting them here even though they were apparently able to be shipped through ups which is the same way that i'll send out a copy of my book later this afternoon going to the ups store and talking to dave the ups guy they had to jump through a lot of hoops before they got them here so eric Procopi had to find a fossil dealer in japan who then had a source inside Mongolia so that ultimately he could say, oh, these aren't, oh, they're not from Mongolia where it's illegal to steal these things. They're from, they're coming from Japan. Or he would mark a box that said fossil reptiles instead of, say, Tyrannosaurus rex, so that no one would be any any the wiser. And so that they would, the bones would be able to be shipped over here to to the U.S. Wow. Yeah. But this whole thing fell apart in October of 2012. Okay. When a whole group of federal agents and sheriff's deputies in Florida showed up at Eric Procopi's house, where he was probably either swimming in his saltwater pool or fucking around with dinosaur bones in his backyard and Mm -hmm. they built a case against him they call him essentially a one-man black market of dinosaur rocks dinosaur fossils the new yorker has done several pieces about it that i just love they've covered it really well and like we said earlier there's an incredible book about this that i recommend anyone reading by Paige Williams, The Dinosaur Artist, Obsession, Betrayal, and the Quest for Earth's Ultimate Trophy, that I really hope someone has bought the movie rights to. Because oh, yeah, this feels like it could be a really good movie. And who could we get to star in this movie? Hmm. Someone like a real leading man figure in Hollywood, but someone like maybe a little quirky. Someone who's also maybe been in other films about ancient artifacts and yep, about treasure. About mm-hmm. treasure. Who could that be, Joe? I think it's Nicolas Cage, Dory. I think oh. it is the one and only. Uh-huh. Nicholas Cage. 
Wow, Nick Cage. Now, Joe, does Nick Cage have any, does he have any interest in dinosaurs and dinosaur bones? Here's the thing, Dory. Nick Cage loves dinosaur bones. He loves dinosaur bones. So much. Oh, no. That when this case was being investigated, they uncovered that a dinosaur skull that Nick Cage had purchased may have been acquired by similar illegal means. Oh, Nick. 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 Like, I was just going to say, is it really like his fault? He bought it from an auction house. It's not like he went and dug around and shipped stuff to himself via UPS. He bought it through a legitimate source, right? He did. He did. And so let me back up a little bit and tell you the story because I'd little lead too quickly. I was just, I was so excited to lead you down the oh, sorry, sorry, primrose path uh, that I didn't tell you the whole story, which is a good one, which you know that I am completely burnt out on celebrity stories because I read about them so long, but there's some that I just love that I love and that I tell over and over again. Okay, so this story, which I've been dining out on since it happened, is back in 2007, mega millionaire actor Nick Cage paid more than a quarter million dollars for a single dinosaur skull. One skull, one head, 200, more than $250,000. Specifically, This was a T-Rex skull, and it did happen in an auction, a very exclusive one for very exclusive rich people from the I Am Chait gallery. Okay. The fun part, the even more fun part of this story, is that it wasn't just Nick Page bidding on this. He was going head-to-head with Leo DiCaprio for this skull. They both wanted it. And so actually, honestly, in the screenplay version of this movie, which I'm happy to write if someone would like Mm -hmm. to hire us to write it, it could be a buddy movie with Nick Cage and Leo DiCaprio because they both they're both very invested in this dinosaur head. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're the kind of person that likes dinosaur heads, it was impressive. It, It was allegedly... 67 million years old. Okay. That, that's that's old. old. That's old. Yeah. It was a pretty, pretty complete old rock. And to be fair, a quarter of a million dollars probably wasn't that much to Mr. Cage back in 2007 because that was the heyday renaissance of Nick Cage, if you will. So National Treasure was 2004. So yeah. There's three National Treasure movies in the franchise. So this, and I know that National Treasure did very well overseas. So Nicolas Cage was swimming in money come 2007 when Mm -hmm. he bid on this T-Rex head. And he had also just played Johnny Blaze in a Marvel movie, you know, Ghost Rider, where according to IndieWire, he probably got paid somewhere between 12 million and 20 million plus back-end bonuses, and the movie made more than $200 million worldwide. So he was raking it in. He was bringing in enough dough 
to spend more than $250,000 on a dinosaur head. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't, but just because, just because this is a show about people with too much money. Yeah. I like to talk about other things that people with too much money were spending their too much money on because apparently in that year, he also bought three houses, 22 cars. What? 22, including nine Rolls Royce. What? 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 Mm-hmm. Joe, yeah. I'm sorry. No one needs 22 cars. No one needs nine Rolls Royces. Even if you're a car collector, that's too many cars. Too many cars. T. This podcast is TMM. Maybe one day we'll do a spinoff called TMC. <laughs> TMC? Too many cars. That is too many cars. Oh, so he had the... He had a... He, I don't want to like armchair diagnose him, but it does sound like he had a bit of a spending habit, let's say. A habit. He liked a spending buy, habit. He liked to buy weird stuff. He did. He did. Another thing that he apparently did at one point was go on a holy grail search, as one does. And he spent a lot of money seeking out the mysterious holy grail. Okay, I just want to, I just, I have a, like a little aside about this because I know that we know that he bought the three homes, the cars, and like all the other shit because his former business manager like submitted evidence. Mm-hmm. Now, my understanding was that your business manager was supposed to make sure this kind of shit didn't happen. Like when these celebrities have business managers, all of their income goes to the business manager and the business manager handles all of their accounts. So usually my understanding is that the, you know, the Nick Cage goes to his business manager and is, I would like to buy a house. And the business manager is, that's probably not a great idea because right now you only have $30 million and this house that you want to buy is $75 million. I guess ultimately, if Nick Cage, it's his money, Nick Cage can do what he wants with his money. Totally. And I think, Yes. A good business manager says, hey, you already own 10 cars. You don't need 12 more. You already have seven Rolls Royces. Why do you need nine? (laughs) But when essentially when the Golden Goose calls you and says, daddy, I need two more Rolls Royces and they're writing your checks, you're not a big no machine. Yeah. Ooh, that is rough. That is really rough. Now, Joe, we should probably just take one more break, but I want to hear what happened to this fossil that Nick Cage bought. The dinosaur. Does he have it on display? Yeah, the dinosaur. Does he have it on display? Or is it no longer in his possession? Does he have it on display in Um, one of his many homes? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Joe, I'm dying to know. What is the status? Wait for it. 
he had to give it back. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Nick. Now it's all coming full circle. The mm. skull was illegally obtained from Mongolia. Oh. And it came oh. out during the investigation of Eric Prokopi, who was arrested for smuggling illegal dinosaur bones. Wow. Okay. So it all comes back to Prokopi. It all comes back to Prokopi and this massive investigation. And so Prokopi had to really spill the beans, not just on bones that he imported and shipped via UPS to his backyard in Florida, but other networks that were bringing in mm. illegal dinosaur bones. And so as part of that investigation, the authorities told Nick Cage, hey, so sorry, but this Tyrannosaurus Rex head actually belongs to the Mongolian government, and they'd really like it back now. So could you please give it back to them? So he had to give it back. He had to give it back, and he would have been a real jerk if he hadn't, if he hadn't given it back. And he talked to... Did anything happen to the auction house? As far as I can tell, no. But Nick Cage would maybe like something to happen to the auction house because he told GQ magazine, he's, hey, I, I bought this skull legally from this auction house. And when the Mongolian government asked for it back, I gave it to them. But since I never got my money back, somebody at that auction house should be in jail. You know what, Joe? I don't necessarily disagree with him. I do think it's probably the job of auction houses to vet things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 100%. That's what I'm saying. But I think that they're coming from sources that have tried to obscure this market for so mm. long. That even the auction houses probably don't really know what they're dealing with. You know what? I think that same as so many other, we're seeing this now with the way that like a lot of museums are having to give back some of the things in their collections that were essentially looted. I think this whole industry operated on a don't ask, don't tell situation um, for, for method a long, for, for a long time for, for a, long a time. very long time like unless the artifact had like a, a blaring sign on it that was like illegally obtained mm -hmm. everyone was it's fine i'm sure it's fine i'm sure it's okay right it's yeah, totally okay. the paperwork's a little questionable the guy selling it to me has been in jail for a felt. You know what I mean? They just like, turned a blind eye to a lot of things. And for a, for, now. For a very long time. For a very long time. Yes. And also the rules were murkier, perhaps murkier in the past. And these things were not prosecuted as much as they were in the past. But whatever. I think. I do but, think Nick Cage. It was not Nick Cage's responsibility to vet the seller of. No. The skull. No. So I agree with him. 
I also I agree. Also, by the time this happened, Nick Cage probably could have used the money, right? <laughs> to be fair, Nick Cage could have used the money. And he still is a very rich person. So let's not pretend that he's not a very rich person. Of course, but he had a... a am I remembering this correctly? Like, he, he like, invested in real estate and then... He did. ...lost yeah. a lot of his real estate when the market crashed and... He, like, owes money to the IRS. Like, he, of course, he still has a lot of money. Yes, um, we, shouldn't feel, we shouldn't feel badly for him, but he could use the money, to be fair, because at one point he did own apparently 15 different properties, one of which was a private island in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, not one, my friend, but two European castles. Wow. Again, I feel like the guy has a spending problem. I don't want to go any farther than that. I don't want to diagnose him with anything. But again, you don't we're not need... Doctors. We are not doctors. Uh, we're not doctors. You don't need the nine Rolls Royces. You don't need the two European castles. It just seems excessive to me. But I'm a mere... I'm a mere mortal. I am not a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. Buying nine Rolls Royces is not even an option for me. Maybe to him, buying nine Rolls Royces is like me having nine pairs of pants. Yes, that is a really good analogy. That's exactly what it's like. It's the same <laughs> as you having nine pairs of pants or me having like two Doan dresses is the same as yeah. him having two European castles. Totally. You probably right. only need one. You and probably, actually, do you really I, need any? Yeah. No, but he did. But it, that didn't go well for him. It didn't. So back in April of this year, he talked to 60 Minutes. And he's, I was way over-invested in real estate. He owed something like $6 million to the IRS alone. And when the real estate market crashed, he was screwed and he lost a lot of money. Yeah. So it sounds like he could probably stand being paid back this quarter of a million dollars for the T-Rex head that he had to give back to Mongolia. But yeah. there, there's a little bit of a happy ending here. Okay. Okay. I'm ready for it. Not for Nick Cage. Oh. Not for Nick Cage, but for okay. Mongolia, which is nice. There's oh, a happy okay. From, All right. You know what? Here. In this whole story, I am really rooting for Mongolia the most. <laughs> Mongolia is the underdog. They're just trying they to are. get their dinosaur skulls back. They just want their rocks back. They so just want their rocks because back. they just want their rocks back. They're, they just want their expensive rocks back. So because of this big investigation and because Prokopi did cooperate with the authorities, all of these fossils have gone back to Mongolia, and there were so many that it was enough for them to, to create a whole new dinosaur museum in Ulaanbaatar. Oh my gosh, that's I cool. Know. Isn't that nice? Again, I have no desire to go there or see. I would like to go to Mongolia, to be clear. I have no desire to go to a dinosaur museum. It, this area of the world and this dinosaur museum is on my son's top 10 places he would like to travel in the world, along with the Field that. Museum in Chicago, which has another famous Tyrannosaurus Rex named Oh, my Sue. gosh. 
So if anyone in Mongolia is listening and you want us to come see your new dinosaur museum, Charlie Astor and I will fly there and we'll record some too much money over there. Wow. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for him. I'm excited uh, for Mongolia. I'm excited Mongolia. for Mongolia. Mongolia is the big winner here. And when we started this episode, I'll bet you didn't think that Mongolia was going to be the big winner here. You know what? I didn't. I didn't, Joe. <laughs> I think that, as we like to say, maybe you can be too rich. Maybe you can be too rich. Maybe you can be too rich. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Talk soon. Too Much Money is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and Joe Piazza. Music is by Lisa Brenner. And our network partner is Acast. Thanks for listening.